I'm a sweater. I sweat a lot. It's like, this can't be normal. Like, this shouldn't be how your first day at the gym is. I cannot go to the gym past noon. I will not be in the gym. (laughs) (laughs) And so many people, so many people had to stop midway to go to the bathroom and throw up. Adulting can be hard, even scary. Adulting Horror Story shares intimate tales of adulting fails and insights into how to avoid them. Hello, and welcome to Adulting Horror Stories. I'm your host, Dion, and today I'm back again with my brother, Dwayne, a.k.a. Fit by Farron. How are you? I'm well. Can't complain. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Would you like to tell the audience anything about yourself before we start? I guess um, <laughs> I haven't been using my Fit by Farron hashtag as much um, because I've been transitioning over to um, law school. Um, still been personal training, but just been doing that while trying to balance law school. I know that must be a challenge. Today, we'll be talking about gains, getting shredded, getting ripped. Just kidding. Today, we'll be talking about something many people struggle with, exercise. But before we start, I have a few announcements. I'm always looking for ways to make my episodes more educational, more entertaining, and more consistent. To help me do that, I've made a Google survey to find out more about what you guys want to hear. It will be linked in the episode description. I'd really appreciate it if you could fill it out so that I could make this podcast even better. Next, until now, guests have been able to reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. I know not everyone is big on social media, so I'm also adding an email. If you want to be a guest, share an anonymous story, or give feedback that isn't covered in the survey, I can be reached at adultinghs at gmail.com. That's A-D-U-L-T-I-N-G-H-S at gmail.com. And finally, I'm trying to get a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and pretty much everywhere that hosts my podcast. It helps increase my visibility and is another way to tell me how you're feeling about the pod. But I need a certain number of reviews to actually have my rating displayed. So if you can, wherever you listen, I'd love it if you could leave me a rating and review. Even if it's just to say that you hate it, that's cool too. Okay, back to the episode. So I wanted to talk about exercise challenges I've faced and what has worked for me on a personal level. But exercise is something that is not only difficult for most people to keep up with, but it can also be dangerous if done improperly. Therefore, I wanted to get a more informed take on the subject, and who better to do that than a highly sought-after personal trainer and future lawyer? He can tell you whether the latest fancy exercise gadget will actually make you healthier, and he can help you file a class-action lawsuit if it doesn't. (laughs) Not just yet, okay? We have a... (laughs) We have a couple months till there, but (laughs) (laughs) I love the enthusiasm. I appreciate that. (laughs) The last thing that I want to say is both a content warning and a clarification. I want the learning portion of this episode to be about exercise and health, not weight loss or bodybuilding. In my opinion, no matter what shape, size, or weight you are, society, aka what you see on TV, online, or in a magazine is always trying to convince you that you should look different than you do right now, 
Why? Because if they succeed, then it's easier to sell you things. Health is not defined by a specific weight or a specific amount of muscle. It's better defined by metrics like your blood sugar, cholesterol levels, eating enough vitamins and minerals, some level of activity to keep your body functioning as it should. I may end up talking about weight loss in some parts of this episode as it relates to my experiences. If that is something you're not comfortable hearing about right now, feel free to skip this episode. I have a diverse catalog of other traumatic stories you can listen to instead. So we'll follow the usual format of the podcast, what happened, why, and what we learned. But there are some basic questions on exercise that I'm hoping my brother can shed some light on. And if we don't cover them throughout the episode, then I'll ask them directly near the end. Sound good? Perfect. So the first challenge I want to talk about is motivation. There's lots of research on the mental and physical health benefits of regular exercise, but in my head, there's way more excuses not to exercise than reasons to do it. I'm tired, it's dark outside, my favorite show is on, the gym is crowded this time of year, and I straight up just don't want to. On top of that, I cannot work out without listening to something, be it music, a podcast, whatever, And as a result, there's been at least one instance where I drove all the way to the gym, which at that time was like 30 minutes away, realized I forgot my headphones and went straight back home. Because. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I've done it. I'm a I'm a music listener. I I do. I have to. It it irks me. I think the gym music, at least at L.A. Fitness, where I go to gym, is really terrible. And. I've had to do it once or twice, to be honest. It's the greatest hits for someone. Definitely not me. <laughs> yeah, so I um, was just like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to do this. Went back home because I was like, it's not going to be a good day. It's just going to be a very awkward 30 minutes to one hour if I even make it. But I haven't made a habit of doing that. I'll say that. Well, honestly, I think sometimes <laughs> when I go without music, Sometimes I pay attention to I pay attention a little bit more to my workout. I'll be a little bit more focused. So I don't know. Maybe you should just give it a try once just to see kind of see how it goes. I've, I listened to that guy, um, David Goggins. And I don't know if you've ever listened to him before, but he runs these marathons and he's all about not listening to music when he works out. And he kind of he has this whole philosophy behind it. So I don't know if you've never tried it. Maybe give it a try. I've done it one or two times while running i'll i'll give it a shot i get very anxious at the gym which we'll discuss later but i think it's a skill that's worth building up anywho once i'm at the gym with my headphones secured another challenge i have is knowing how hard to push myself so if you watch like weightlifting competitions or find yourself on the fitness side of youtube it can feel like you need to be lifting a bunch of weight and sweating and roaring like you're going super saiyan. And I've always at least known that that's not what you're supposed to do the first second you walk in the gym. But I did think that if I wanted to be stronger, then I had to be picking weights that had me struggling a bit. So in college, one day I was doing bicep curls. And if I could easily do three sets of 10 repetitions, then I would pick a heavier weight for the curl until I found one where I was struggling to get to 10. And usually I could still get there, but the last two or three curls would be really, really hard to the point that 
I might need to um, assist myself to finish the curl, like use my other hand to finish the last bit. And my thought was, as I get stronger, it'll get easier to make it to 10. So I do that workout. I feel okay. I feel accomplished. The next day I wake up and I can't straighten one of my forearms. It's like bent up toward my chest. And if I try at all to bring it down to my side, it is extremely painful. So I think I strained a ligament in my arm. Honestly, not sure, but I I hurt something. And it stayed like that for at least a week or two. So after that, I said, okay, I'm going to be more careful and not push myself too hard, but still do enough to make sure I'm building my strength. And it happened to me at least three more times. One time it happened to both my arms at once, which let's just say was a really bad couple weeks. Like imagine trying to live your whole life while keeping your forearms, both of them bent at a right angle. Try getting dressed like that. Try using the restroom like that. Try picking something up off the floor like that. It is not fun. <laughs> yeah, that does not sound fun at all. Um, <laughs> I'm really sorry to hear that, Dion. The thing about it is, I guess first and foremost, I think everyone's different. I'm a sweater. I sweat a lot. I might go to the gym and not be doing much, and I might be sweating. So I don't know if that's really indicative of if I'm if I'm necessarily working hard, if I'm working harder than someone else in the gym. And as you're describing your experience in the gym, I was I'm thinking of progressive overload. Progressive overload is essentially where there's different. Let me step back a little bit of nerdiness. So first and foremost, periodization is where there's there's specific time frames that you push your body depending on what type of results you want. We'll typically go through four phases. There's going to be that muscular endurance phase where we're kind of building our base. Then we're going to go into hypertrophy where we're building muscle. There's kind of a strength phase where we're just kind of getting to our max. We're trying to build build a little bit of strength. And then there's a power phase. So oftentimes these relate to athletes when you're working with athletes general population you don't use this type of regimen as much but even with my clients i still try to keep them within at least two of these zones so i try to build i try to build a base before we we get into too deep of training through that muscular endurance phase and then i build up a little bit more through that strength phase makes Uh, sense yeah so for general population I suggest that we kind of start with building a base. We work through kind of a strength phase where we kind of see how far we can push ourselves. And then we have a power phase where we really test ourselves to kind of see what what our, what our what the max our body can do. And then we start over from the bottom. Okay. Those are my horror stories. Do you have any of your own that you'd like to share? Oh, yeah. When I was in college, I was powerlifting. During football, I was I played football, Valley City State, and I was powerlifting. We were maxing out. This was after the season, and we were maxing out right before the summer. Mm-hmm. And I was doing power cleans, and it's this explosive exercise. I kind of like push through the ground, drive that weight up, and as I'm sinking into the third portion of that exercise, where I'm pretty much going to a, squ- a squat motion, I kind of feel my right knee pop out. And I immediately dropped the weight. Within seconds, my knee is swollen. Oh, my God. Uh, Very swollen. 
and I have to get help to go up to the trainer's office. Luckily, it was right upstairs from the weight room. And I tore my meniscus. And I got it looked at. It was a full tear. So I had to get it repaired, which required surgery. Had to be off of that. Um, Pain medication, crutches. Honestly, the only good part about that was I watched a lot of Lost. I watched all of Lost, actually. (laughs) (laughs) During that time. And... This was right before my senior season, which was was scary. I'd come back to Valley City to play. Football was very important to me, especially at that time. It's kind of what my identity was there. So not being able to play, not being able to practice with my team, I mean, it was killing me. And it was was from working out and and from not having proper form and and by trying to go too heavy at, at the wrong time. So it took me months to recover, but I didn't. And to be honest, I still, to this day, I don't have the same range of motion in that knee. Wow. So, yeah, I, I mean, it still affects me to this day. I'm really sorry to hear that. I didn't know that. Yeah. I can say for the audience, I've seen him walk enough to know that he's doing okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm still I'm still fine. I've, I, was, I was dunking a basketball after that. I can't dunk right now. I mean, I still, don't get me wrong. If I don't wear the right shoes to work out and um, when I go run... Uh, my knee will tell me if I start lifting too heavy in the weight room, my knee will let me know. So between my knee and my back, they let me know exactly where I need to be. <laughs> there we go. That's going to be a future episode. I have a lower back horror story that was going to be in this episode. And then I was like, you know what? This is going to be its own whole episode. Ooh, I have, separate. I have one myself. I'm not going to lie. So yeah. maybe that'll be our maybe that'll be a part two for the future. Yeah. Do you have any other stories before we move to the next section? Um. Yeah. I mean, and then I've seen just kind of the typical people not paying attention, and you have a barbell, and someone takes off the weight on one side, and then the barbell tips over on another person, or you're trying to go too heavy and <laughs> impress people at the gym, and then the barbell stuck on your chest and Mm. yeah let's talk about why why is it hard for me to stay motivated why did my arms lock up first off i think a weakness of exercise specifically is that it is an activity that feels best after it's over and that delayed return on investment can make it less appealing for example You can get excited about a vacation before it even starts because the process of planning, looking up fun restaurants, or finding a flight that's on sale, that can be fun. And a lot of your favorite activities are ones that you enjoy while doing them. You enjoy food while you eat it. You enjoy a good show while you watch it. But there's no fun in putting on your workout clothes. Exercise is exhausting by design, which isn't always a good feeling. And you might get sore or sweaty. And if you go to an actual gym, sometimes other people are making too much noise or spitting in the water fountain or not wiping the equipment down when they're done using it. So for me, yeah, so sorry. So for me, I really only feel like, hey, I'm glad I came here right after the workout is over. Like while I'm doing the cool down walk or doing my stretches or something, but not during. And that makes it hard to prioritize working out over other activities. You need to find a new gym, my friend. Okay. (laughs) 
gonna say that early. You need to find a new gym. I'm I'm actually in the in the market myself. I've seen some things at the gym that I'm at, and I agree with you. I think that the environment that you're in promotes you wanting to be there. So I personally do think that having a nicer gym, somewhere where you feel comfortable and you feel clean and that you'd want to stay and shower and that you you feel like you'd want to stay there longer would, I mean, promote more exercise and, and enjoying working out more. I'd also say, <laughs> and this is what I, I think this is one of my, one of the things that I try to, I try to tell all my clients is, is to choose something that you enjoy. I understand that everything, everything can't be great. I don't think anyone enjoys burpees. Um, <laughs> at least I don't know anyone that enjoys burpees. But for conditioning, at least something that can get your heart moving and heart pumping, I think you have a lot of options. I think that maybe you don't like going for a run, but maybe you like going for a run with your dog because you get to exercise with your dog. Maybe you like um, riding bikes. Maybe you so maybe you're into biking. Maybe you would walk, but you have to have a view so you can turn it into a hike. I think you can kind of change change these exercises around to tailor to yourself. I'm not a I'm not a big runner, but I'll play basketball anytime. I can play basketball for four hours. But if you want me to go and run for four hours, that's that's not gonna happen. You kind of see what I'm saying there? I do. That that makes a lot of sense. It's gonna it's, it's some of the recommendations I'm gonna have for later too. So I think that's what I have. I try to promote um, promote to my clients as much as possible. To me, some of the best ways to stay consistent in the gym, especially because I know people have kids and they're working multiple jobs potentially, and for them to go to, to work out at the end of the day, that can be tough, is I say to set reasonable expectations. I think that sometimes people, I'm going to, you know, January 1st, I'm not going to eat this anymore. I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to watch this all the time. I'm going to, you know, I mean, just kind of stick to these stringent rules that, I don't think are realistic. It's a lot easier for people to ju- to set something that is reasonable that they can kind of win at every day. Every day I can win at doing this one little thing. Also, I know that people are busy, but you can plan an exercise at, at lunch. I think we can eat for 30 minutes and we can go maybe go for a walk. A lot of people are working from home now, so you, I think we have a lot of options there of, of things we can do. So I just think there's kind of creative ways for you to work out while at work or integrate working out with work. I actually, <laughs> my fiance, Aaron, she showed me a meme yesterday of a exercise bike with essentially a, a standing desk on it, a little desk on it. So you can pedal and ride at the desk or sit at the desk. And I know that's not, that's not practical for some people, but maybe a standing desk, just a, a regular standing desk is. So you have, so you're not just sitting down at the desk all day. And I think my last tip on that is, at least for me, and I know it's not realistic for everyone with with children, is get out of the way early. If you can, wake up early, get it out of the way. Now it's done. Me personally, I cannot go to the gym past five o'clock. That's not true. I cannot go to the gym past noon. I will not be in the gym. <laughs> if, if it gets to noon and I haven't gone to the gym yet, it's not going to happen that day. And and I'm, and some people are, are the complete opposite. But I think if I was just starting out and I wanted to be consistent, I would try to get make, make sure it's my priority and I'd get it out of the day first so that as other things pile on throughout my day, at least I know I've already gotten that out of the way. Makes sense. With needing to listen to something while I work out, I think that's pretty common, right? You, you talked about that too. Definitely. 
I get anxiety while exercising in front of other people. One of my biggest fears is doing an exercise like comically wrong and ending up as a viral internet video. Whenever I see those like people of Planet Fitness compilations, I always think it's just mortifying. Like, yes, it's funny to watch, but I'm like, I never, ever, 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 ever want that to be me. The odds of that actually happening are low but my anxiety disagrees. And playing music while I work out just helps distract me from those thoughts. I get that completely. And I I understand being self-conscious, but at least for me, I love seeing people working hard at the gym. I love seeing people giving, you mean, just being there? Because you know that a lot of people aren't. And I know I have a unique outlook on it because I'm a trainer. And there are people that are a lot more judgmental and not nice. So to combat that, I would say (laughs) if you want to ensure that you have good technique, I would not base it on the gram or the ticky tock (laughs) (laughs) or the talk talk, you know, what what the kids call it nowadays, the ticky. And, and, And to me, that's not fair. That's not fair. If I'm going to use Instagram or TikTok to find someone, I would just want to find someone reputable, preferably somebody with a degree in kinesiology, strength and conditioning, or an exercise science degree, um, along with a certification, preferably through NASM or the NSCA. That's the National Strength and Conditioning Association and the National Association for something, something. Either way, I just think that I would find someone reputable and follow them. I would practice maybe at home in the mirror before I go, before with any without any weights, you know, just to make sure I look like the person in the video and I feel confident doing that. And then I'd go in the gym and do my thing and not worry about anybody else. Oftentimes, some of the people that are in there that are doing that think that they're doing the the best work or the best form are actually not not doing anything very effective. And they're really the ones that are looking foolish. Also, maybe get a trainer, you know, I I think a trainer and it doesn't have to be a forever thing. I tell my clients that eventually I want you to get to the point where you don't need me. It's it's kind of a sad parting ways thing, but I would like you to get to a point where you're motivated on your own. You know the right technique, you know what to do. And maybe you find your own gym and you're you're doing your own thing. So maybe you work with a trainer for a set period of time. I'm going to work with a trainer for 90 days. And in that 90 days, there's specific exercises that I want to learn that I want to be able to do do on my own. I want to be able to have a well-rounded set of exercises that I want to do and feel confident when I do them. And then find a trainer and maybe do that um, for a set set period of time. And then I would even start where, for example, maybe all of my sessions are with the trainer and then slowly taper down to save costs where two days out of the week, for example, if I'm doing three days with the trainer, then I'll, I'll break it down to two days a week with the trainer, one day on my own, one day with the trainer, two days on my own until I feel confident on my own working out. I like that. I like that a lot. So the last thing is with my arms locking up, I have a few hypotheses on why that happened. One, I was pushing myself too hard, thinking that I always had to be struggling to be making progress. Two, I may not have been warming up properly. And three, I was doing only one intensity of exercise, meaning like high weight, low repetitions. I took some classes where I would do low weight, high repetition exercises, and I found that it helped me a lot 
when doing the high weight exercises later on. And it sounds like you were saying that that's part of the phases of um, getting stronger, that it's not just one type of exercise. Yeah, that's exactly it. You can't start off first day trying to finish every set killing yourself. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. You won't like working out. If you go in there the first day and you finish every set the way that you explained, trying to on the last three reps, helping your helping your body to pick up the weight. The next day, actually, the next week is probably going to be terrible for you. You're not going to want to work out. Working out is not going to be fun. This is why I suggest building a base with my clients. When I'm during this base phase, like uh, muscular endurance phase, the minimum reps we'll be doing are 15 reps. And we're going to be doing a lot lighter weights here. I don't want you killing yourself. I don't want that last set to, to be killing you. Because I know that just from building this base and just from this this workout coming from coming from the couch or from not doing not doing very much to doing even a 45 minute workout can have someone's body feeling extremely sore. So that's why I, I try to just have a, um, d- during those during those first couple of weeks, we're building that base 15 reps max. Yeah, I think of like for me, what I always think of as like a motivator for how far I come is, you know, I ran track when I was in high school and right now running for me is like nothing like doing a 30 minute run is just a casual thing for me. But my first ever 10 minute run, I thought I was going to die. I legit like tripped and fell like a stupid character in a horror movie. It was bad. And now running is like nothing. It is something that you have to build up on and you shouldn't like expect to be doing a marathon in like your first week. No, and you, you you mentioned warming up. Warming up and stretching are the two things that I see people skip out on the most. And I think that it's one of the most important parts of your workout. I don't want to use these kind of cliche analogies, but in the winter, you know, you want to start your car and kind of get your engine warmed up, you know, before you go. And it's the same thing with your body. Why would the first squat that you did for the day be with a barbell and weight on it? Why would the first time that you put any strain on your chest or on your upper body be when you're putting dumbbells on it? I think that it would be more beneficial for us to warm up with bodyweight squats, uh, a bodyweight reverse lunge, these um, maybe a couple push-ups. You do a couple different yoga poses that are dynamic, where by dynamic, I mean we're not static poses where we're just kind of holding those yoga poses but we were actually in motion in those yoga poses, going into some of the similar positions that we're going to be while we're holding these weights. Not only does this help you to kind of prepare for the exercise and prepare your muscles for these exercises, but it also decreases the likelihood of injury because now your body's gone through that range of motion prior to it being loaded with weight. Yeah. And I will say I, my warmups usually involve like running, like I'll run for five minutes but I didn't used to do actual warm-up exercises before. I would just be like, okay, my my muscles are warmed up. I ran. Let's do this craziness. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. It, it's better than nothing. I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's not better than nothing, but when you're doing at least a strength training exercise, if, if that's what you want, I typically try to incorporate some type of strength training, but I know that some people use yoga or use other types of exercises they use group classes maybe that that incorporate different types of techniques 
Yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of classes and just like, you know, finding the warm up and the workout that you'll actually do. So let's get into part three of the episode. What did we learn? So for motivation, I learned a trick from this other podcast called The Happiness Lab. They basically said if you don't enjoy working out, pair it with something that you do enjoy. The host of the show, I believe, said that she has a weakness for bad daytime TV. Jerry Springer, Maury, maybe a little Judge Judy on the side. And so she only lets herself watch Jerry Springer when she works out. I adopted a similar format. So before I used to listen to podcasts, just like whenever I felt like it, when I'm doing dishes, driving, staring into the void. Now I only listen to my favorite podcasts, which are the ones that are both really good and ad free when I work out. And it's worked for me because now I get a double benefit from working out. I enjoy it while I do it because I'm listening to something fun that I wouldn't let myself listen to anywhere else. And I feel good after the workout is done, too. I also focus on exercises that I enjoy the most because I'm actually willing to do them consistently. There's some exercises like Bulgarian split squats that I cannot stand. I dislike them, and I'll say Bulgarian split squats specifically, so much that if it's listed in my workout plan for the day, I'm more likely to skip working out altogether. And generally, I just think an okay workout that you're willing to do consistently is better than the perfect, all-encompassing, full-body workout that you're going to stop doing after a week. As you mentioned earlier, if they're available to you, I think gym classes are really fun too. Everyone is focused on the instructor rather than you. You don't have to master perfect form in advance because the instructor is going to be watching you the whole time and they'll show you how to do the exercise and help you if you're struggling or show you modifications if a certain exercise is too difficult for you at the time. And they usually have good music. So I know Zumba has bomb music, Body Pump has bomb music, usually. And if you can't afford or don't want a gym membership, then as Dwayne said earlier, there's a bunch of other fun ways to exercise. So running, biking, yoga, hiking, there's tons of at-home workouts that you can watch and follow for free on YouTube. So in summary, you have options. I agree with that. The only caveat I put in there is that if you're new to working out, I don't know that I would suggest a class to begin. The only reason is that even though, like Dion mentioned, the trainer is there to assist you, they also, depending on the class size, they don't have the time to have specific attention to you. So even though everyone doesn't have time to pay attention to you, neither does that trainer. And sometimes your form could go on on check for long enough that you could get injured maybe in, in the first class. I've, especially depending on what you're getting into, CrossFit especially, people go into CrossFit classes first day and you're doing Olympic lifts. Olympic lifts with barbells potentially going over your head. To me, ex extreme exercises. And you have one coach that is watching 30 to 50 people. I would just be careful there, maybe build a little bit on your own and just kind of feel confident on your own before you go to something like that. Just kind of be careful there. I agree. I forgot. I'm surprised I didn't tell this story, but I guess it's because it technically didn't happen to me. Um, I got a chance to do a couple like free, a free couple week trial of a CrossFit class. And 
I think there are advantages to CrossFit because like it's, it, because it's a group class, right? The same reasons I said earlier, no one's necessarily focused on you. You don't have to pick the workout in advance. It's kind of picked for you. But I remember the first day you have regulars and you have people who are there the first day ever. To be fair, it wasn't one instructor. I think it was about four instructors, you know, staged around the room. But they're having you do the same workout they would have done almost any other day. And so many people, so many people had to stop midway to go to the bathroom and throw up. And I was like, this can't be normal. Like, this shouldn't be how your first day at the gym is. <sighs> I hate that. I... CrossFit, I don't know. I didn't I didn't want to say it, but I... CrossFit's tough to me. I think it's impressive. And I think that um, the people that you see on TV, the, the CrossFit stars, they're impressive people. And they do impressive things. But I think what you don't see are the hundreds of people that get hurt doing CrossFit. It's just an extreme type of exercise. It promotes overtraining where you're just doing a repetitive exercise over and over and over and over and over again with, in my opinion, excessive weight. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have too much more to say about CrossFit on that. I get that. And I guess I will have I will add the caveat to a group class that while no one's actually actively pressuring you because everyone like the regulars might be doing, let's say, the hardest version of the exercise, right? Doing exactly what the trainer does. Even if the trainer says, hey, if you can't do this exercise, do this modification, you might feel like an almost peer pressure to try to do it the same way the trainer is. That's another reason why, like, maybe yeah, you don't start with a class and also you build up your resilience to say, if I can't do this exercise, it's better to do the modified version than to hurt myself. So you don't feel like, well, everyone else is doing it. I should follow it, too. Absolutely. And I think maybe that could just be finding a smaller group class. I've I've taught group classes. Um, I've taught larger group classes and smaller group classes. Typically, when I teach a larger group class. I try to choose exercises that are not very complicated. I definitely wouldn't be trying to teach someone an Olympic lift or a multi-joint lift during a large group class. I would probably try to incorporate body weight exercises, things that I can I can just kind of give some quick tips to kind of fix form. I've also taught more strength-based classes, um, more technical classes. And in those classes, it was usually limited to eight to 10 clients. And with that limited number, I'd have an opportunity to give more attention to each client and ensure that each client was performing proper technique, especially with the more dangerous exercises. Yeah. You're also, you're making, you're making me turn on gym classes when I love gym classes so much, but I'm remembering these other, these other stories. So the other thing is one of the classes I mentioned is body pump, right? Body pump is a low weight, high repetition exercise class. I personally think I did have very good instructors that would, especially if they see a new person or before they start one of the more um, intense exercises, they would walk around the whole room and check everybody's form before starting. But uh, but I get that not every trainer is the same and it's still just one person trying to manage 30 plus people. But what I do remember is body pump is mostly done by women usually, but Men will join. I'll join. Sometimes you invite your boyfriend or the um the trainer's boyfriend comes and the men walk into this room of mostly women 
And they are like, well, all these women only have these like little light to medium weights. I'm a dude. I don't I don't need that. I'm going to go get the big heavyweights because they don't yet realize you're about to do possibly 50 plus repetitions of this exercise over the course of this two minute song. And so you watch them try to be all manly, do the exercise for like 20 seconds, realize like, oh, shit, it's not stopping. And then they start breaking their um, weights down and putting smaller weights on. And it's it's a fun thing to watch, but it's also actually really dangerous. And so that is another watch out. Yeah. Pride's, pride's a terrible thing in the gym. It can be. It, it's gotten me in the past. Um, trying to keep up with the guy next to me has definitely put some strain on my back. I'll tell you that. So I don't suggest that. Mm-mm-mm. Be confident enough to listen to your body and not watch the person next to you definitely one of our lessons when it comes to my arms locking up it's been a while since it's happened now i think because i've gotten a better understanding of how much struggle is too much for me and i'm doing a wider range of exercises and intensities i think that's helped reduce my risk of injury overall Low weight, high repetition exercises have a lot of benefits. They help build endurance. So if you need to carry something slightly heavy for a long distance, like moving boxes, or maybe you play a heavy instrument that you're going to be holding your arms for long periods of time during a concert, it's it's pretty helpful in your everyday life. And I also think it helps build your overall strength when you want to do heavier weight exercises. I agree completely. I, I'm all about periodization. I think if every time that I start working out again, if I go for a long stint where, man, I haven't, you know, maybe I was working out consistently for a while, but I've taken some time off, I start back at the base. You know, I think the, <laughs> I think the 90 degree arms comes from, <laughs> I think the 90 degree arms comes from, all right, I'm coming back, I'm getting back in the gym. I'm going to work as hard as I can because I really want to, I'm really trying as hard as I can. This is going to be the time. And then you come in and you do three sets, first day of extremely heavy weight. Don't get me wrong. I do think that what you described, that having that that last set be very difficult to, to finish, I think there's a place for that in working out. There is. But that's just in your second phase. We have to get past that building phase. So I think that once you're consistently doing lightweight, once you're consistently doing high reps with low weight, I think that we can go ahead and transition a little bit to using heavier weight and lower reps in order to kind of build a little bit of a strength there. And then maybe, let me give you a hypothetical. Let, let me let me build you a little routine here. This is, this is my Dion routine. I have Dion. Um, Dion came in. Dion is, actually, tell me a little bit about yourself, Dion. What, do you, what are you looking to achieve? Oh, God, I don't want to answer this. I, I, I want bigger arms and abs. Bigger arms and abs. Perfect. All of my clients, I always want to set a goal. It doesn't have to be something that you're even planning right now. Maybe it's, it's a couple months out. Maybe we want to have like the beach bod. Maybe we want to run a marathon. Maybe just give me a goal or something. Um, I usually don't like to do a weight. What I would suggest to you is that we're going to work together for three months. The way that I like to work out, I like to build a base first. We're going to have a strength phase and then we're going to have a power phase and then we're going to start all over. We're going to do a full body exercise three days a week. Based on that, that'll, that'll depict how our, how our exercises work out. 
But at least for our repetitions, what I think is going to be important, our intensity during these three months, during that first month, everything is going to be 15 reps or more. We're going to be building a strong base for you. We're going to be doing light, light weights. After that first month, I'm going to transition you over to a, a strength phase. We're probably going to be doing between 10, maybe 12 reps in that range, closer to, likely closer to 10. We're going to increase that weight a little bit. During that final month, we're going to go into a power phase. During this power phase, I want us to do the similar exercise to what we've been doing in the past two months, but I want to pick that weight up a little bit. This is where I'm looking for exactly what you're talking about, where those arms, the intensity where your arms would get to that 90 degree position. <laughs> but now that we've built that base up for two months, your arms have been accustomed to this exercise. Your muscles have built up muscle memory and they were fine here. Okay, and now we're going to be doing maybe five reps, five to six, five to eight reps of even heavier weight. Once we're done here, we're going to track your weight all the way and then we're going to start back at the beginning. Now, when we start back at the beginning, if we were doing 15 curls with 15 pound weights to begin, because we've been building up that stronger base and because we went through that strength phase and that power phase, when we start all over, we'll likely be starting with maybe 20s. Mm. Or in 17 and a half. And then we build up again from there. And that's pretty much you, you kind of just keep going through that loop. And obviously, like life gets in the way and sometimes you have to restart and kind of play around with that. But you, you always start from the beginning. You never start at the end. And, and I believe that what, what's happening with your 90 degree arms is that you're starting at the end. That makes a lot of sense. That and you've reminded me to tell you, you're such an a-hole because when I heard you say 90 degree, I thought you were going to talk about like an exercise or something, you are going to make fun of my arms. <laughs> I can't, can't stand you. <laughs> but you're right. At, at the same time, that plan makes a lot of sense to me. I would definitely, um, I would definitely follow it. So like, this, this has been a whole big learning experience, but I talked about what I learned and we had a discussion on that. Do you have any additional things you learned from, um, your story about your meniscus. I learned the importance of proper form. I think that, and this kind of goes back to what I was mentioning with CrossFit earlier, at Power Clean, the exercise that I was doing at the time is a common place exercise in CrossFit. It's a multi-joint exercise. That means that you're, you're either doing flexion or extension at multiple joints in your body, your ankle, your knee, your hips, likely your shoulders, these different exercises. Anytime you're doing those types of exercises, it is more likely for injury. So I just think that it's important that when, and and I'm so cognizant of it now, of trying to have impeccable form. I think that what I've gotten complimented on the most recently is, man, like you have really great form. And I think I, I take my, the, the most pride in that nowadays, opposed to trying to see how much weight I can put on the bar. I try to have impeccable form in everything that I'm doing. If, if I, and if I notice that my form is starting to fail, I'm lighting the weight up all day. I know I don't let my pride get in the way anymore. Okay, I like that. Before we conclude the what we learn section, let's go through those questions I mentioned at the beginning. I tried to choose a few that would be meaningful for most of my listeners. The first one is, are there any general tips you have to ensure you're practicing proper form, not using too much weight, and generally staying safe 
while exercising? I know earlier you mentioned like practice in a mirror in advance, things like that, but what else? Yeah, I, if it feels wrong, stop. <laughs> you know, if if something just doesn't feel right, let's stop right there, check in, you know yourself. Everyone's different and everyone's built different. So some of my clients, maybe they have tighter hips. Maybe maybe this ligament in their leg is just not as long as everyone else's. You know, there, there's just different things that everyone has and you don't know. So if it doesn't feel right, stop. Maybe that exercise isn't for you. There are so many different variations to achieve the same results. So anytime my client has something, oh, you're feeling a little something here? Well, let's switch it up. Let's just switch it up. I think there's so many different ways to achieve the same results. So there's no reason to... If squats hurt you, find something else. Lunges, step-ups, a ton of other options. And then also progressive overload. Don't kill yourself. Start off lightweight, heavy reps, and adjust from there. Don't kill yourself. And um, if you can, find a book, a video, find someone reputable to watch their form and practice before you go. There we go. Next question. Are personal trainers worth it? What factors should you consider if thinking about getting a personal trainer? Well, obviously they're worth it, Dion. Come on. See, now I I was hoping you would at least try to be unbiased, but I was obviously horrifically wrong. (laughs) Listen. What I hear right now is this is how I know you you are going to be a successful future lawyer. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you that I provide an array of services. I'm a trainer, I'm a therapist, I'm a life coach, I'm a friend. I provide services to people's children, to their dogs, you know? Um, What? Wait, what? You first train people's dogs? No, but while I'm training them at their homes, I have to let them in and out of the house. I have to, you know what I mean? I have to do things. I I, I play a role everywhere, right? Okay. (laughs) And I have to, while they're working out potentially at home, I have to be the one making sure the dog isn't chasing them up and down. And, you know, I I, I play many, I, I wear many hats, okay? Um, mm-hmm. Seriously, though, I think that it really depends. Um, I think there's a lot of factors that you have to consider before deciding if you want a trainer and what type of trainer you want. I think the trainers are beneficial because they can hold you accountable. And I think oftentimes that's all a person needs is someone to hold them accountable and to ask them, hey, where you at? What's going on? Let's let's do this to kind of keep people on track. I think you have to consider if you can afford a reputable trainer. Um, there's a lot of trainers out there. The industry has changed a lot, even since I've became a personal trainer. Since I started training, I would say initially when I when I was first training, you kind of had to not had to, but the majority of trainers had a degree or a certification at least to become a trainer. Now there's trainers on Instagram, there's trainers online, there's trainers, the the market's just become a lot more saturated and it might be harder to find a reputable trainer. And when you do, it's potential that you might have to pay a little bit more. So just kind of think about that and you have to be honest with yourself. Like, do you think you can do it on your own? Is that realistic? I know that I've had clients in the past that, no, I'm, I know that if you're not here, I'm not going to do this. Just no. And I've had other clients where I'm using you to train me to do this on my own. And you kind of, I feel like you kind of have to know yourself there and know your finances there too. You have to think about the trainer you want. 
I personally, I can be what my client needs. If you need a drill sergeant, I'm a drill sergeant. If you need a cheerleader, I can do that too. Guilt tripper, I can do that. It's not my favorite, but I will guilt trip you, you know, if that's if that's what you need too. And just kind of know what kind of trainer you are. Makes sense. I'm sure there is like a, a set of clientele out there that are like, I actually don't care about getting stronger. I just care about looking like I'm getting stronger on this TikTok reel. Um, so I, mean, I had a woman that told me she was <laughs> she was going through a divorce. Her husband was paying for the membership and she <laughs> she came to me four days a week. I want to say something like that. And my rates at that time were a lot higher than they are now. They were <laughs> the rates are very high. And this was kind of early in my training career. So I was I was really motivated. I was like, yeah, let's do this. Come on, let's get on this roll machine. Let's do this work. And she's just uh just kind of leisurely telling me about, you know, telling me more and more about her divorce and kind of what's going on with her husband and da 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 and what he did and how she's dealing with it and what her friends think. And I'm I'm trying to push her. And one day she looks at me and she tells me, I'm not really here to work out. She essentially told me that she just wants me to listen and that if she works out, if she gets a workout out of it, great. That honestly changed, that changed my outlook on the profession that day. And I've been, and I think I've been a different trainer that day. I, I think that's what's added so many hats to to me, because I had to realize that in some of these situations, you are just kind of filling a filling a need for someone. I think that in the past, I've been a babysitter. <laughs> you, It's after school. You want your kid to do something after school. You know that your kid isn't really focused enough to really work out. They may not even be at that age where they need to be kind of focusing on working out, but you kind of want a trainer. And I'm not going <laughs> to... I'll I'll do that, you know. I will um I'll try to teach them as good as forms I can. I'll try to teach them speed and agility and plyometrics and I'll you know I'll do what I can, but realistically, I know that I'm kind of just playing a role there. Yeah, I thought when you said like going through a divorce and all that, I thought she was going to say like my husband's paying for this. I'm just trying to rack up the bill. No, I'm sure that that might have been that might have played a part in it for a while too. Do you want to charge me more? What? I let's do a fifth session, but I won't even show up. Fuck that man. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. Um, no, she she actually ended up running out on a couple sessions at the end. I think he cut the card off at the end and mm. she was like two or three that I that I ended up having to get comped out of the not the drama aspect to here on this episode. Um <laughs> next question. How did you feel after a workout to know that it's the right intensity? Tired, sweaty, sore? Something else? Again, it, it depends. A real attorney answer right there. It depends. Hmm. How should you feel after a workout to know the intensity is right? This is a great question, actually. I think it I think it depends on the workout, and I think that it depends on where you're at in your cycle. So what I would say is that during the beginning, during that base phase, I wouldn't want to feel like I killed myself. I want to feel like I I worked out and I know that I did something, but I'm not killing myself. During that strength and conditioning phase, I think we're kind of in that medium ground where some of those days will probably be more intense and we're probably feeling a little bit more tired and maybe a little bit more sore. And then maybe that last phase is likely where we'd be the most tired and the most sore, where we're pushing and we're pushing that 
that heavy weight. But also during these times, we have to, we have to consider that the rest periods, um, we didn't really talk, I didn't talk as much about that earlier, but in the beginning when we're doing that lighter weight and heavy reps, you're likely going to have shorter rest periods, maybe 30 seconds to a minute, opposed to at the end when we're doing that heavy weight and lower repetitions, you're likely going to have longer rest periods, maybe three minutes to five minutes in between each set. That all plays a role in it as well. Um, <laughs> so I think I was going to finish by saying I, it really depends. <laughs> I get that. I get that. I knew, I knew it wouldn't be an easy question, but I'm not here to ask the easy questions. Um, <laughs> the last question is just any general advice you have for the audience? Yes. I have two pieces of advice, and these things I think are gold, and I give them to everyone, and no one uses them. Everyone that does loses weight. This is, I'm actually giving out gold right now, Dion, and the crazy part about it is, is I know I'm going to give it out. People aren't going to listen to me, and people that could have been achieving their goals are not going to, but I'm going to give it out anyway. So this actually has helped me lose 70 pounds, Hmm. and- three months. So first and foremost, what I tell all of my clients, if your goal is to lose weight, I know that everyone isn't, I know you mentioned that earlier, but if your goal is to lose weight, actually, whatever your goal is, if it is to adjust your weight, um, either to get larger or smaller, if you're trying to put on the gains or if you're trying to cut, I suggest that you track your diet. And when I say that, I don't mean that you have to go and get a scale and you have to start weighing your food, none of that. I think that it's simply having a journal, 7 a.m., two eggs, lunch, salad, whatever. And I think that plays so many, it has so many different benefits. First, I think that this works because it's harder for a person to sit there and write, I ate eight Oreos at 12 o'clock at night, honey bun, 1 p.m. I think it deters you. So when you know that you have to write that, I ate an entire pack of Sour Patch Kids at 1 a.m., you're less likely <laughs> to eat that sour pa- that whole pack of Sour Patch Kids at 1 a.m. Maybe you do. Maybe you have a couple. Maybe you have five. Either way, I think it's less likely for you to kind of gorge. Also, it lets me know when these things happen. Maybe we realize that, you know, Dion, during the day from 9 to 5, you are really responsible eater. You stick within your diet, don't do anything crazy. But once it touches nine o'clock, it's just everything starts piling in. You, you eat everything. And I think that simply tracking your diet, you can learn, all right, maybe I don't eat after seven o'clock. Nothing passes my mouth after seven o'clock because you know that you're good during the rest of the day. I just need to stop eating after seven. That's just an easy way for us to kind of see what's going on with your diet opposed to trying any, oh, I'm going to do the Atkins diet. I'm going to go keto. I'm going to do something like that. Track your diet and I guarantee you, you'll see changes simply. So my second tip, again, is going to be a little bit nerdy. You probably have to do a little bit of math, but this is straight from the NSCA. We're going to take 220 minus your age. And that number is going to give you your maximum heart rate. Now, Mm -hmm. we're going to multiply your maximum heart rate by 0.65 and by 0.75. And that's going to give you your 65 to 75% of your maximum heart rate. Once you find what 65 to 75% of your maximum heart rate is, I want you to walk or do an exercise, keeping your heart within those ranges for 45 minutes to an hour 
three to four days a week. That sounds hard. Let me let me clarify. When I say that sounds hard, I feel like there's a lot of guess and check in the beginning to figure out what exercise gets me there. So I think what's what's worked easiest for me is any heart rate monitor. Or you, if you don't have one, you can easily do it. You can do a self-check and you can do it yourself. That'll take a little bit of math too, but you can easily do it. And let's actually do it for you right now. Um, sure. How old are you? I am 28. 220 minus 28. That gives us 192 times 0. 0.65, 124. Okay. So your range would be between 124 and 144 is where you need to keep your heart rate. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I would tell you to do is to wear your Apple Watch, wear your heart monitor, your Fitbit, whatever. And I want you to go onto a treadmill and set it at a two incline and maybe like a four or four and a half. Interestingly enough, 65 to 75% of your max heart rate is not fast. It's, it's not a hard workout. You're probably not even jogging. It's probably a brisk walk. The reason why you want to be in this range is that often, so oftentimes people go into the gym and they work out and they go really hard. And they, you, they'll do like a two-mile sprint, three-mile sprint, and, and their goal is to kind of lose weight. Or they'll be doing an exercise that, that's very taxing. And what happens is our bodies, when we're anabolic, anabolic meaning without oxygen, our bodies take our calories from our sugars and from our calories that we've had that day. When we're in an oxidative state, our body takes those calories from our fats. In order to get into an oxidative state, we need to be doing long, slow, steady rate exercises. Exactly what I'm telling you right here. In order for us to get into an oxidative state, we need to be doing an exercise for above five minutes just to get into that oxidative state. And then we want to we want to stay into that oxidative state so that our body starts taking our calories from our fats opposed to from those sugars and from those carbohydrates that we've had the day before. And you don't have to do it on a treadmill. You can walk your dog doing this if that works for you. You can go on a hike and do this. If that works for you, there's different options. I think the treadmill works easiest for me because you can kind of set it and forget it. You kind of set it in between that range and then you just walk and the treadmill will kind of keep that speed for you. But if not, you will have to kind of keep checking your heart rate monitor to ensure that you're in that in that range. Interesting. Yeah, I've never heard that one before. I'm also mildly disturbed at the concept that our max heart rate decreases as we age. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's just the general calculation. So maybe you have a strong heart. I have faith in you. I appreciate that. I think two to three days a week of that 65 to 75% of your max heart rate, if you could do it for 45 minutes to an hour and you track your diet, if your goal is to lose weight, it will happen. Okay. The last thing I want to say is that wherever you are in your weight loss journey or wherever you're at, I'd say to give yourself some grace and understand that it's difficult and that everybody is is on a different path. I like that. I'm also going to add on because you mentioned like your Fitbit and your Apple Watch. Speaking for the broke among us, you can get a heart rate monitor, step counter, like simple device for much cheaper than the big brands, the Garmin's, the Apple Watch, the Fitbits. Like you can look for those instead because a lot of times that's all you want whereas the apple watch is also letting you respond to voice messages and 
secretly tracking your data and shit. If you're worried about having to buy a Fitbit or an Apple Watch to exercise, like, no, you can get a cheaper alternative if you're just looking for, like, very simple metrics. I agree. Thank you for your time. As always, this was really, really insightful. If you are still doing lessons, can you tell the audience where they can reach you for your services? And if you're not, that's fine too. Is there maybe any person or charitable organization that you'd like to shout out? Yes. So I am still on Instagram. If you want to get in contact with me, it is fit underscore by underscore Ferron still taking some clients in between classes and i would like to shout out a charitable organization um most recently uh, kind of recently i joined big brothers big sisters of arizona and i have been matched with my little kazaya and it's been a great opportunity so far i have been helping him become a better golfer <laughs> as i become a better golfer and we recently went to a Super Bowl event while the Super Bowl was hosted here in Arizona. So I wanted to give a big shout out to them for the amazing experience. A big shout out to Gaziah for being a great kid. And um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Before we close, don't forget to check out the survey in the description and leave a review if you can. I appreciate all of you that are helping this podcast grow. This podcast was brought to you by yours truly, Dion. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at adultinghs and now via email at adultinghs at gmail.com. With that said, this has been Adulting Horror Stories. I'll see you in the next one. It sounds like you may have had some personal experience with an Apple Watch or you've had some bad blood, something. Everything good? Personal experience with an Apple Watch. I I don't know what you're talking about. And I've I've never, ever heard of a rose gold Fitbit Versa either. Um, but <laughs> for people, for people. This is too deep of an inside joke. I'm going to have to cut this out.